welcome to Future Focused, Sophisticated Estate Planning with Wigan and Dana, the show where CPAs, insurance professionals, investment brokers, trust companies, CFPs, and more can firm up on their understanding of estate planning strategies so they can better guide their clients to make wise decisions with their legacy. Future Focus is hosted by Aaron Nichols and Michael Clear, partners of the Private Client Services Department at Wigan and Dana. Subscribe to Future Focused Sophisticated Estate Planning on your favorite podcast platform and share episodes with your clients. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron and Michael. It's great to be back today as we're sitting with the change of the seasons into almost it feels like summer. Aaron and I today are going to talk about planning for high school graduates and some of the things that a student should think about, A, as they turn 18, and more importantly, kind of that life event of going off into college. Yeah, and it feels especially apropos given that Michael and I are sitting in Wigan and Dana's New Haven office right now overlooking Yale's campus as they prepare for graduation. Right. So tis the season. Tis the season. So, and this is an especially important topic because I think it surprises a lot of people that when kids go off to college, parents lose really all of their ability to access information related to kids. Yeah, whether it's educational records, health records, the ability to help on the financial side, all of that can become a roadblock as a child moves away from the home to the easy example to a college campus. And, you know, they're making phone calls to the health center or to the bursar's office, and they may or may not see different roadblocks. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess let's start there with health-related matters, right? Since that can be a primary concern. So a client's child turns 18. Is it true that on the date of his or her 18th birthday, at least in Connecticut, that the parent has no ability to be involved in the child's medical care? I think the best practice would be to set up some sort of document, some legal document that's going to make sure that that doesn't happen when that's the situation, right? So we're not faced with the parent trying to convince a hospital or a doctor's office or the pharmacy that something is necessary. Right. And I think that framing it in terms of just being involved with medical care might make it seem like a situation in which a parent wants some control. And that's really not it. I think a classic example of why certain documents are needed for people who have turned 18 is that medical providers need to have permission to communicate. So especially in the case of an emergency on a college campus, a parent would like to presumably be in a position to be the contact for any sort of medical provider. Right. So in our situation, I think it's generally going to be two documents on the healthcare side that we're going to be encouraging them to sign a HIPAA waiver and a living will slash medical directive. Right. So with respect to the HIPAA authorization, I think There are probably many colleges and universities that include something that looks like a HIPAA authorization in a student's onboarding, at least insofar as that a parent might be able to be an emergency contact. But certainly having a standalone document that specifically enables certain individuals to have access to protected health information can be really crucial 
when your child's away at college. Right. And sometimes it's because you want to provide information or you want some feedback. If it's counseling related, if it's medical related, you just want to be involved in that decision making process or that helping process. And it provides that informed consent on the institution side that they are supposed to be able to talk to you. Right. Yeah, it's dramatic change when a kid turns 18. And then the, the living will side of it? Likely the most important piece of that living will is really not the living will itself, which relates to the administration or withholding of certain life support measures when someone is determined to be in a persistent vegetative state or permanent coma. But really, it's the appointment of a healthcare representative, which enables that representative to communicate with healthcare providers in the event that the person is incapacitated. So critically, in in the case of a college kid, it would give the parents the ability to communicate with providers if, for example, the student was in an accident and is at least in a state where he or she is unable to communicate with providers on his or her own behalf. Right. So moving past healthcare. I think the next document that we would encourage many of our clients to have and many of our a child going away to school would be a power of attorney. So where you appoint someone to help make financial decisions if you're not able to. Right. And I think broadly speaking, with respect to students, one of the most beneficial things about a power of attorney is not necessarily the ability of a parent to make decisions in the event of incapacity, but it's simply the ability to transact with a student's account, for example, adding money or moving money from one account to another, because often, right, a student is still financially dependent on his or her parents. So it makes things a lot easier, I think. Yeah. And I think it also gives kind of that easy power for the school to be able to communicate back and forth to you about certain issues. Right. right? So you have, you know, you want to make the tuition bill, you have the financial power of attorney. It makes it harder for them to say, well, we can't give you this piece of information or that piece of information. Right. And again, another surprising thing, right? parent is paying tuition and it will shock clients that they don't have the ability to receive information in return. Michael and I like to to tell people that these sorts of documents are best practice, that these are the sorts of things that universities and medical providers should be looking for. Now, across the board, will they always Not necessarily. You can get lucky and be able to have access to information that you might not otherwise. But really, these documents give assurance and, more importantly, the concrete legal authority to be involved in those conversations. And then that next one, we talked about it while we're doing our prep, is whether or not we have kind of those young adults actually do a will, right? So, you know, a classic will to distribute assets in the event of their death. It feels more like touch and go. We clearly want those other two documents. But for us, to me, at least, when I'm meeting with young adults and just kind of putting it out on paper, walking through the process, it can be very important to do it, have that last kind of piece of paper to give each adult kind of a good, strong estate plan as they're moving forward. So what then types of assets are you looking at to determine whether it's necessary for an 18-year-old to have a will? Yeah. So if they have assets in their own name, 
any assets, a bank account, a checking account. I want to be able to pick who the fiduciaries are to manage it. And I want the kids to pick who gets it. Sometimes children will have UGMA accounts or UTMA accounts, uniform gifts to minors accounts. And if it's included in their estate, we're going to want to pick where those funds go for a high net worth client. Sometimes we've done planning and we don't want that money to come back into the parent's estate, right? So we want it to go to siblings per se. And if those siblings are minors, we want to make sure that the document is set up that's not going to then cause us to go do a guardianship. So kind of any level of assets is, I think, important to have to have that document in play. Yeah, I think that that sort of is a good summary. And especially if these healthcare documents and a power of attorney are reason enough to bring a 18-year-old into the office to speak with us. Why not do a will? Right. We did a recent episode with our partner, Dan Daniels, where we were talking about educating the family. And I think this is really a great opportunity to start that education process. Right. So we're going to sit down with the young adult. We're going to walk through these documents. We're going to tell them the meaning of each document, why they have it, the purpose of it. And it may lead into a conversation of the planning that mom and dad have done at some level and who they've appointed in various roles or why mom and dad don't want those assets back into their estate. So it might lead into some of the the tax planning. I have a client that I have sat down with their 18-year-old children, I think three of them each time as they turned 18 and went off to school. And it was somewhat educational, but it also then led into a conversation of being an adult and bad things that could happen in school and who do you trust, who you don't trust, who do you talk to or not talk to. You know, if you get in trouble, if you get pulled over for some reason, the things that you might say or don't say, right? Kind of just using this as a life event where we can help educate the next generation kind of across a variety of phases of being an adult. Absolutely. I think that the overall education aspect of it really adds to the benefit of getting these kids in here. Certainly, we want them to have the core documents before leaving and going off to a university. But to the extent that it provides the foundation for a longer term conversation, that's just an added benefit. Yeah. And we're talking about it in the context of high school students going to school because we feel it's often a great time to do it. The fact of the matter is it's highly like a lot of people don't prepare any of these documents and graduating from college is that next opportunity to do it. So just using those life events has a mechanism to help on the family education and get them to put their kind of affairs in order is a great kind of jumping off spot. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that was a good summary. And certainly, like we said, timely, because this is something that we want people to be thinking of as we head into the summer. Yeah. So kind of just doing that quick summary, we want them to walk away with a few legal documents, right? We want them to walk away with the living will, medical directive, the HIPAA waiver, the power of attorney, and then the possibility of the will. Exactly. So, well, good luck to the graduates that are out there. Congratulations. And we look forward to talking to you again next time. Thank you for listening to Future Focused, Sophisticated Estate Planning, hosted by Aaron Nichols and Michael Clear, partners of the Private Client Services Department at Wigan and Dana. At Wigan and Dana, our aim is preserving the wealth that a family has worked so hard to create and pride ourselves in offering value-driven solutions and results. 
Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, share episodes with your clients, and follow our highly talented, creative, and experienced lawyers on LinkedIn for even more great insight. We'll see you next time on Future Focused Sophisticated Estate Planning.